0: There's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started.
1: 10 years ago, I had no idea that I'd be where I am today and doing the things that I have gotten to do. I mean, I've gotten to be on television, which is also crazy. My kids are most impressed, though, by my YouTube and most embarrassed by my TikTok. So it's good times.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And If you're not a quilter and those terms are unfamiliar to you, it's basically doodling on a quilt top with a 50-pound drawing utensil. And if you are a long-arm quilter and you're looking for free hand tips, I encourage you to take advantage of the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. My philosophy is there's nothing as warm and comforting as a handmade quilt, and so my mission is to get as many out in the world as possible. So I quilt for people, and I teach others to find freedom and joy in quilting for themselves. There are so many quilt makers and just as many stories. Quilting's been a bridge between generations, it has soothed loneliness and chronic pain, and it's been a beautiful expression of art and creativity that spans countries and cultures. Joining me today to tell us her story is Carolina Moore. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will Half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us whether that's social political or pop culture usually we don't see eye to eye but more often than not we can find some common ground in there somewhere and now back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there today's tip will really help you get the most out of your backing fabric for your quilt when you're taking it to a long armor so i'm a long arm quilter myself and often quilt backings will arrive with quite a bit of excess fabric on at least one side and you might as well be making the most of that while you can and often batting will be the same way I usually buy it in 120 inch wide bolts and so there's often quite a swath that's extra on the side of the quilt so if you have any smaller projects it could be um, pillows it could be table runners it could even be pieces of quilting for small bags so if you have any small projects that would coordinate with that backing bring them along and I can load them at the same time and make use of every possible inch of that batting and backing fabric for you at very little additional cost so it's a really economical way to fully use your backing. You all know I love my coffee And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me keep batteries in stock for my microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thanks so much for your support. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Carolina says she's never met a craft she didn't love, but these days she's a quilter, a quilt pattern designer, and a sewing educator. We're so happy to have her in the studio. Welcome, Carolina. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. It's great fun. I am so enjoying the process of just meeting other makers, not necessarily just quilters, in this podcast process. It is so really fun to get a little peek into others' creative worlds in their studios. So I've been scoping you out a little bit on Facebook and one of the posts that caught my eye that I wondered if you talk a bit about, now I I should preface this, I guess, by saying you have a volume of crafts and types of things that you Mm -hmm. teach and do. But what particularly caught my eye were some salvage projects. And I wondered if you have some favorites there that you wanted to tell us about.
1: So I know people won't be able to see, you can see like right behind me, are actually a bunch of salvages. I keep all of my salvages. When I, actually have a process for taking the salvages off my fabric. I usually work with half yard cuts, and I sew with all art gallery fabrics. so they're all art gallery fabric salvages. And I refold it to make sure that the two, that the two salvages don't line up anymore. Um, I want to, in one cut, take two inches off that pretty salvage side and just take off the salvage part. On the on the non pretty salvage side, if that makes sense, and that way I can keep my pretty salvage with a good inch of the print on it as well, Um, and I have a foundation paper pieced pattern that I'm wanting to do with all the salvages, but I haven't yet. Um, However. I did make a bag out of salvages that is not a pattern because I'm a terrible pattern designer apparently, and I don't make patterns for all the things I should. But I have a a, ba- a bag that is all salvages, and it's so fun to use that bag because people see it and go, "Oh, are those salvages? Are you a quilter?" Like we, it's one of those ways that we quilters identify our, each other in the wild, right? Because we're not wearing our quilts on our shirts, but oh that's a bag of salvage or that's a, you know, a bag full of salvages.
0: And isn't it true that when you go out in the wild, as you say, wearing crafty things that you've made, it's as good a conversation starter as having a baby was? I think it's better um, <laughs> because when I had the baby,
1: I was so tired.
0: Well, there's that.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I, I, I'm so used to like having, I like making bags and, I'm used to having a bag that I made. So I forget about it. Like it's not, it almost stops being special that I have a bag that I made. And it's awesome because people remind me, oh, did you make that? Yeah, I did. And I get to like have that experience again of reminding, like, yeah, I've got this cool bag and I did make that. So you get that pride of making all over again.
0: How fun. Well, I kind of dove straight into that because that's something that's been on my mind, but really I should introduce you a little better. So maybe give us um, the bird's eye view of what you do as a crafter.
1: Sure. So my name is Carolina Moore and I am a quilt pattern designer. I started 10 years ago blogging about sewing and crafts and I really started um, kind of niching down into quilting just because I love quilting. I've been quilting since I was 12 And in the process, like starting as a blogger, I have um, written a book. I wrote a book for Nancy's Notions on English paper piecing. I started a YouTube channel um, with my name, Carolina Moore. I, um, gosh, I, I, I'm a socialite for Art Gallery Fabrics, an ambassador for Baby Lock, I get to write patterns for um, AccuQuilt and for Cut Loose Press, as well as I have my own pattern line that I sell. And I got to invent a notion called the Spot on Dot that is available in quilt shops worldwide. So yeah, 10 years ago, I had no idea that I'd be where I am today and doing the things that I have gotten to do. I mean, I've gotten to be on television, which is also crazy. my kids are most impressed, though, by my YouTube and most embarrassed by my TikTok. So it's good times.
0: <laughs> so I, I take that to mean that they're on TikTok, too, and they have to, like, acknowledge that maybe you have more, more followers. I don't know. They are not on TikTok. But, yes,
1: it's super embarrassing that their mom, like, is proud of her TikTok. Like, not just that she's on it, but she's, like, proud of it. And so I go out of my way to show them my TikToks just to embarrass them like, Oh, my mom.
0: (laughs) I love that. And I've got to say too, looking at your, your posts, your clips, and and oftentimes your photographs, it seems like you bring a really great sense of humor to whatever you're doing. And I just love that.
1: (laughs) I'm glad that someone appreciates the humor. I don't know if everyone all you know, we all have our own humor. But I, I mean, I have fun. And I hope other people have fun when they're along for the ride. It's all fun. It's a hobby, right? It should be fun.
0: Absolutely. It should be totally enjoyable. And it just seems like teaching is kind of your jam or at least, um, I don't know what's the word I want. Conveying is way too formal, but just like showing others what you do and bringing people into the world of sewing and quilting. So it seems to me in looking at the things that you produce and share on your various media that you're a teacher at heart. And I remember last year, kind of early on in the pandemic, we are you and I are mutual members of some Facebook groups. And there was a discussion about, you know, all the people that were rushing out and buying sewing machines and didn't necessarily know what they were doing. And I remember you chiming in saying, this is just a great opportunity to introduce a whole new generation, particularly of school-age girls, to the world of crafting and sewing. And I love that viewpoint. So are you finding there's kind of this reviving interest in the sewing crafts?
1: There definitely is. And I feel like, so that's a, a big, like a larger conversation. This could be like the whole podcast right here. <laughs> Let's go. For me. So um, when, like when I was little, I did want to be like, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be an author. I wanted to work in marketing. I do all of those things. Like, look, look at how that worked out. Um, I didn't want to be a YouTuber because YouTuber YouTube wasn't a thing. And actually, I didn't even like my face on video. We didn't have a videographer at my wedding because I dislike myself on video that much. And now I have a quilting YouTube channel, which is hilarious to me and maybe no one else, but it's definitely hilarious to me. Um, But so my background is actually in advertising. I got an undergrad in advertising and then I went back and got my MBA. And so when the pandemic happened, when the world shut down, I was just about to start my last quarter of my my MBA. Um, I did an MBA at UCSD um, here in San Diego. And it was in person and everything got shot down and it all went virtual. Um, but two years before when I'd first, when I started my MBA and I was at that orientation um, with all the other people and there was people in biotech and there was one man in my class who was a cardiologist and there were a bunch of people from the navy um, who were looking at like their next career from after retiring from the navy so there are all these professions and we're all at this orientation you know hanging around having dinner you know having drinks chatting getting to know these people you're going to spend the next two years with and when it would come to my turn oh what do you do i'm a quilter and the look on people's faces was just like but like that's a That's a hobby. That's not a business. Well, there's a huge business and there are a lot of quilters and there are a lot of people who make their living in quilting, whether it be, you know, the manufacturers, the distributors, the quilt shops, the pattern designers, there is a whole industry that supports every hobby, including this one, like fabric designers, fabric manufacturers. it, It just, it's a huge industry and people didn't understand that. They just understood like that that's the thing my grandma does. Right. So when the pandemic was shutting everything down and then everyone was making masks and sewing machines sold out like the lower and mid range sewing machines, they sold out. You could not find them. Like that's huge. That's opportunity. People have working sewing machines at their homes, or they dug out their old sewing machines and were looking at how to service them and, and, and how to thread them again. Um, when I worked at a quilt shop and I spent several years working at a quilt shop, doing marketing and special events, and any quilt shop owner will tell you that getting a quilter to buy things is not hard. Like quilters, we buy things. We love things. We buy fabric. We buy notions. We love things. But it's the get the process of getting a quilter to come into the store. That's the only hurdle you have. Once they're in the okay. store, they will buy. Mm-hmm. Like So I just looked at it the same way. Like finding getting people to love quilting is not hard it's getting them to put that sewing machine on their table that but, and and we just we got that hurdle mm-hmm. covid with all of the terrible things it gave us it did give us this beautiful thing of all these people now have sewing machines on their tables and time. Because they're making masks and oh and time and and it's not just like time i mean they, they needed a hobby. They needed something to do. They couldn't go to, I mean, I live in San Diego. We couldn't go to Disneyland. We couldn't go to Legoland. We couldn't go to SeaWorld. Those were all shut down. We couldn't go to the beach. The beaches were shut down. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go hiking. So we're at home. What are we going to do while we're at home? Um, I've always wanted to learn how to quilt. So maybe this is the time that I'm going to learn how to quilt.
0: So, yeah. And, and kudos just, to you. I mean, honestly, that that is the definition of an entrepreneur, really, is seeing an opportunity and filling the need. So that was just a very, um, I guess, obvious one, although I don't know that everybody saw it. But you did. And I remember seeing your your comments on that topic and really appreciating that.
1: Well, when in the world does it happen that you have a gift and the world is looking for your gift? I mean, I've been gifted with quilting and the world was looking for something to do that they could do at home, that they could feel productive, Um Luckily, they also had extra money because as we all quilters know, quilting (laughs) isn't super cheap, but they're not spending money on vacations and going on cruises. So they've they've got the money to quilt now, too. Um, So, like, yeah, that's this is this is a moment. And um, turning lemon, turning lemonade into lemons, I suppose. And, you know, the only way that we can.
0: True. Absolutely true. And honestly, also, it's a service. It's a wonderful service to people because people also needed some fulfillment and some happiness and some joy and hobbies are therapy, whatever your hobby may be. But for us, it's quilting. Absolutely.
1: Just the, like the, I made this, it doesn't have to be perfect. The seams don't all have to match up. Um, A quilt where the seams match up and a quilt where the seams don't match up, they keep you equally warm. They're equally snuggly. They're equally fabulous over your lap while you're watching a movie. Like the quilt doesn't need to look perfect, to be a perfect quilt.
0: Absolutely agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. So I have a question for you because you are an entrepreneur and I know you have a fairly young family. How in the world do you juggle all the things you alluded (laughs) earlier to? You know, I'm a marketer, I'm a video producer, I'm an et cetera. Maybe list off some job descriptions for us and then let us know how you keep all those balls in the air. So they don't all stay in the air like let's
1: let's be real they don't come right here um the things get dropped um it just on monday i was late picking my youngest up from school because i'd forgotten to set my alarms properly and i was busy filming video content and i assumed that my alarms would let me know and i looked at the clock and their school's 20 minutes away and i needed to be there in five minutes and uh, there was no way that that was going to happen because if I really tried, I'd get pulled over and I'd be even later. Um, so, yeah, definitely sometimes balls get dropped. And so having patience and understanding with one another is definitely important. Um, I have a husband who works full time out of the home. And when like we started, like the real conversation happened when I went back to do my MBA of, okay, I only have 24 hours in the day. I'm adding this big commitment. What things can we move around so that I... Can do the things that I really do need to do in those 24 hours. And so he became in charge of school lunches. He was in charge of the dishes and he was in charge of the laundry. And that doesn't mean I never packed a school lunch. It doesn't mean I never did dishes. It doesn't mean that I walked past like baskets of laundry that needed to be folded. It meant that the mental load of those things was off my plate. And <clears throat> I think we've had a lot of those conversations, especially lately, for. Generally speaking, women or whoever is like the primary caregiver in the home, that they carry the mental load and being able to take mental loads off your plate is huge. If I saw dishes and I had time for dishes, I would do dishes. But if I saw dishes and I was like going on to the next thing, I was giving myself the grace and permission to move on to the next thing because that didn't need to be done by me. But I also like you don't you don't abuse these things. You don't go, "Mm, whatever, there's like a pile of dishes. And I feel like watching a movie. So I'll just watch a movie. No, you're still partners in the marriage and in the family. So that helps. Um, We live in a small house, we have under 1200 square feet, because it's San Diego. And it's a little it's a 1950s bungalow that we live in. Um, And my office is a shared space, like, you can kind of see behind me the craft side of the office, the quilting side of the office, but the other side has my husband's desk, which has the video game computer on it. So the kids like to play video games on that computer, which is fine when I'm pattern writing or sewing, but when I need to film video in here, we have a conversation of, okay, I need to film video today, especially when this during summer break when they were home or during pandemic when they were learning from home. It's like, all right, I'm gonna film video today. It's gonna take me about two hours. So I'm letting them know about how much time and then they go do other things in the house or outside while I film and it's, it's a shared space. And so I respect that they wanna be in here and I don't take six hours to do something that I could get done in two, which is great for time management there as well. So there's just some give and take there. And like yesterday I knew I was gonna have a super busy day and I just let the kids know that we were gonna have pizza for dinner. And I did, I just ordered pizza. The kids got a meal that they
0: loved. I didn't have to cook dinner, everybody wins. And and I can appreciate that, and I I can kind of see it in my mind's eye as you're talking about it, and I feel like it really is teaching some valuable lessons to your kids about this whole give and take and collaboration that they will... That will hold them in good stead when they go into the workforce, into a nine-to-five job, or if they choose to be entrepreneurs, this process of discussion and of sharing the load. And you mentioned the phrase of mental load. And I was a homemaker, too. I stayed at home when our kids were small. And you do just carry that long mental list of all the things that need to be done and are these people at the right place at the right time Mm -hmm. and appointments. And being able to share that load is massive and is really important and valuable. And I think it helps when
1: you can find systems that help to offload some of that mental load as well. My kids go to a school where they have to wear certain colored clothes. So it's, it's a uniform, but not like an official uniform. They have to wear certain colors. And I can't have it 20 minutes before we walk out of the house that they're like, oh, I'm, I'm getting dressed and I don't have my clothes because all my clothes are in the wash. Um, 20 minutes is not enough time for me to do laundry um, and I don't want to run by a store first thing in the morning, before like on the way to school to get them uniform clothes. So I saw it must have been on TikTok, and I wish I could remember the creator. But creating, um, you use like sh- like a shoe organizer in the closet, and you just cut it down to five, and you put Sunday night one set of uniform clothes or school clothes, even if your kids don't have uniforms in each one of these five pockets. And now Sunday night, I look and I know that they have clothes for the whole week or I look and they only have clothes for three days. Okay, so before Wednesday, someone needs to get some laundry done so we can fill those other pockets. And I know that we're good for the week and I won't have that 20 minute mom, I don't have
0: clothes. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, let me find something. (laughs) Really true. I don't think it's possible to overestimate how much more stressful it is to be doing things in panic at the last minute as opposed to the mental energy it takes to pre-plan and get things ready in advance. That's a really great tip, actually. Yeah. I, there, things are going to come up. Something will always come up. But the
1: more that you can like prepare, the less the things that come up are going to be urgent things.
0: True. Okay, back to quilting. Have you have you maybe got a really favorite project that you've made or pattern you've designed that you want to share or alternatively a dead fail that you want to tell us about? <laughs> um so I don't I
1: don't have a lot of fails and that's not to say that I'm perfect and that I don't have fails. I just usually can be able to go, Hmm, that didn't work the way I wanted, but maybe if I do this twist on it or that twist on it and I'm able to just keep playing with it until it's not a fail anymore. So there's, I, yeah, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's stuff that's unquilted, but that's just because I'm a quilter and (laughs) I just don't have I have a whole bin of unquilted quilt tops. Um So are you do you do long arm quilting as well or domestic machine quilting? I do domestic machine quilting. I um I do domestic machine quilting and then for Christmas my husband gave me a sashiko machine. I'd put it on my Christmas wish list as like a you know, like someone puts a Ferrari on their Christmas wish list, right? <laughs> Not thinking that I would actually have one under the tree, but sure enough I was shocked Christmas morning. How so, fun yes yes lots of lots of points he won with that one um are you having
0: fun playing with it I love the results the quilts that are sewn with those quilted with them it's
1: so much fun it's yeah it's just, just such a neat machine so all sashiko stitch quilts um and all free motion quilt quilts um I do a lot of I'm I do a lot of micro quilting so it's like let me take a quilt that took one day to piece and spend three days quilting it <laughs> So So that's why they don't all get quilted because, yeah. But the Sashko machine, I can quilt two quilts in a day um, because it's, it's basically like walking foot quilting. You just straight line quilt and you're done.
0: Right, right. And it looks, for people that aren't familiar with that machine, the way that the stitches are formed looks like they're hand stitched. It's got the little spaces between the stitches on the right side. It's so, so attractive
1: yep so on the top of the fabric it looks hand st- or top of the quilt it looks hand stitched and on the back of the quilt it looks just like regular like you've done it with a walking foot um and if you use like a cuddle on the back you can't even see your stitches on the back so it looks hand stitched on the front and you can't even tell that it's not hand stitched from the back it's so fun and I've actually learned how to bind with it as well because that big stitch binding is a thing so I did a video on my youtube where I show you can use the sashiko machine to bind your quilts so that you have that big stitch binding look without having to actually big stitch your quilts which is funny because i do a lot of english paper piecing right but i don't want to hand bind my quilts because i'm too lazy
0: and english paper piecing is the definition of slow stitching (laughs) in my opinion
1: yes i have plans for a california king size quilt made of one inch hexagons
0: well, and- good for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> big plans. Maybe this is my big fail, right? <laughs> so I'm, I've i been putting them together. I have 25 hexi segments that I make. There are five across and five, like five up and down and five across. So the are 25 hexes. And so I'm making these 25 segments out of just scrappy hexagons. And then eventually when I have a bunch, I'll put them all together. But right now I'm just collecting sets of 25.
0: That's awesome. And honestly, I don't mean to be disparaging because really that it's a lofty goal but a good one years and years ago I read a book by Ginny Byer and she talked about the fact that she loves to hand piece her quilts and she said you know I just take little bits of it with me everywhere I go and five minutes here and ten minutes there over time sometimes over years adds up and at the end I have a quilt where otherwise I would have just had lost time in waiting rooms and lineups and what have you and I thought that's yeah. a really good way of looking at it it's not it's not a rush job it is slow stitching so good well, for you if- If I wanted to have it done by December, I'd need to sit
1: down and have that be the only thing that I do between now and December. But I don't want to have it done by December. I want to have it done in my lifetime. And I'm on average, the average quilter age, I'm still far below the average quilter age. So I should have a good amount of time to finish this quilt before, you know. All kinds of time. Like, I should make it just in time to pass on to my grandchildren. Like <laughs> that's the goal. Thanks I can sleep plastic. under it one time and then it's fine.
0: So I have another question for you. I alluded earlier to, to being in some um, mutual Facebook groups and in one group that I'm in, you're the administrator of. And I wondered if you just have any comments or anything you wanted to share about the value that you see in that type of online community and maybe something that has taught you or, or brought into your life that was unexpected. I have, well,
1: I mean, I don't know if it's unexpected, but finding friendships in groups. Uh, I've been blogging for 10 years and some of my absolute best friends I knew online for years before I ever met them in person Um, because we we find it in quilting. And then when you start to niche down like you're a quilter, but you're a quilt pattern designer, but like when you get into like these smaller and smaller circles, it can be harder and harder to find your tribe, the people who you can talk about your day without having to explain the parts of your day because they get it they have the same day that you do or similar days as you do um and they have this they've similar pains as you do um so because to, to vent to someone who doesn't understand the world you live in like that that doesn't work um and we all need to vent sometimes um and we also need people who to celebrate with Right. Who like, I don't have to be embarrassed. Oh, I had, you know, I had a video that went, did really well. And they, they immediately get that and understand that and celebrate that with you. So those community things are huge. And, um, finding those kinds of friendships is like, that's why I do it. Um, Mm -hmm. to have people connection.
0: And do you find that, that the hive mind really works for you so that when you, you know, ask the community about a problem, for example, or, or, or a question or some, a hurdle that you're facing, do you find that there's real wisdom in that group? So It
1: will it, it, depend on the group. Like, it definitely mm-hmm. does. So when you find yourself a good group, absolutely. But um, when you're new to a group, I just I always tread a little more slowly and with caution because the loudest voice isn't always the wisest voice. Um, so sometimes I take things with a grain of salt there. Um, but you get, you definitely get perspectives that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, and I love being able to have conversations with people. I didn't, the things that I've been able to achieve while I may have achieved them on my own, I did not do it by myself. If that makes sense. I had mentors, I had friends, I had, you know, a cheering section. Um, when I graduated with, I'm going to Sorry, I'm just going to tear up a little bit as I'm thinking. When I graduated with my MBA, I my last quarter was done during the pandemic, and I didn't get to walk across that stage mm-hmm. um, because we were in a pandemic, and like that's mm-hmm. understandable, but it was such like a, I'd envision that moment. That's what finishing looks like, and I didn't get to finish with my family by it there, but my blogging family, they sent me flowers and chocolates to celebrate that success with me, um, even though we hadn't seen each other in months and months and months, like we had to see conferences and trade shows, and those didn't happen. So, to have those people who like celebrate those successes and are there, um, that's I there's no substitute, it's like a second
0: family. That's wonderful, that's just heartwarming. Great people are everywhere, and I think there's a lot of great people in the quilting world. Yeah, oh, but.
1: And I was, see, I got into my whole story and I forgot my, but um because of like, I've, ha- I've been so fortunate to have these people like find me when I see other people asking questions. Um, I love to be able to contribute back and give them answers. And if someone says, Hey, do you have an hour for a zoom call to give me some like feedback on this or, or, you know, let me know this part of your journey or whatnot. Um, the answer is always absolutely, because there were other people who did that for me. And while I'll have that conversation with someone. They can't copy my journey because it doesn't work that way. Like someone's journey is not like you can't carbon copy a journey and have the same results. Um, Everyone does their own. But sometimes by knowing the path that someone took, you can avoid some pitfalls or you can make decisions like you just have more information to make decisions. What works best for you?
0: And sometimes you can avoid some long scenic detours too, by having wisdom. or, Or you can get a shortcut.
1: Because it can be like a, um, you know, I've always wanted to be in a magazine. How do you get in a magazine? Oh, like maybe they can, like, because I had a friend who gave me the email of several editors. And so now I get requests in my inbox that are like, okay, this month, this magazine is looking for this kinds of projects. And if I have one of those that I want to submit, like, so I was able to get like a front of the line pass because of a connection that I had with someone.
0: I had a very similar experience and I so appreciated it too, because that, that exact thing, how do you get published in a magazine seems so bewildering and out of reach, but it really is quite simple. All you need is someone to show you here. Here's, here's the way, here's the shortcut. Here's the connection. Yeah. Super, super helpful. All right. Well, why don't you tell our listeners some of the places that they can find you or are you the same name kind of across all the platforms or, or how can our listeners look you up? So you
1: can Google Carolina more and a lot will come come up. Um, I have a blog, always com, and that's more with two O's. I love that and name. And I married into it. I just happened to love a guy that had that last name and it worked out great um so yeah always expect com is my blog i have a quilt up a shop where i sell patterns and my spot on dot and some other notions and t-shirts and stickers and things and that is uh, carolina more patterns with an s.com and i'm on instagram as Craftmore. i'm on well i suppose i'm on twitter as Craftmore though I don't know that you'd find me there (laughs) because I'm not there very often. Um, I'm on TikTok as Craftmore. And uh, if you go onto YouTube and you just type my name, Carolina Moore or Craftmore, both will come up as me. Perfect.
0: Well, I'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes as well so that people can link to them quickly and easily. So any parting bits of wisdom that you want to share with us, any um, maybe guidance you could offer for someone who's just getting started on the journey, whether it's, you know, of creation and teaching as you do, or whether it's just picking up crafting as a hobby.
1: Just do it. If you want to do it, if it's your dream, if it's in your heart, just take those steps and do it. And. The journey might be slow, but it's just like that slow stitching, that hand stitching we were talking about. It's how you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. You don't eat the whole elephant at once. Um, And someone once told me it takes eight to 10 years to be an overnight success. And I started blogging is actually 11 years ago, 11 and a half years ago now that I started blogging. And there are people, I guarantee there are people on this podcast who are, this is the first time they've ever heard of me. Um, And that's okay. Like it, it takes time. Um. That that's just the way it is um, but, but every started. time
0: that's the first step right yeah just, just, just start
1: yeah. start somewhere It might there's no perfect place to start except now now's the perfect place to start
0: great and I'll tell all our listeners as I'm a viewer of your you know YouTube channel and your Facebook posts thank and you. things and you cannot go wrong taking classes oh. from Carolina she's a great great teacher so thank you so much for joining me today it's been a real pleasure it's been fun thanks for having me And thank you for tuning in to the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can hear these stories too. For information on the classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website, stitchedbysusan.com. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. These direct links can all be found in the show notes below. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.